This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. We'll consider the rest of this chapter, chapter 2, in two parts. First, in these verses today, we have perhaps one of the biggest surprises you could think of encountering in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul will confront the Apostle Peter. There's a battle, it seems. There's There is this big collision, Uh, and so it's the showdown of the apostles. One is seen as the apostle to the Gentiles. One is seen as the apostle to the Jews, who will win. Now, we're not going to uh, have a death match. It's not a fight. It's not a battle, but it rather is a brother coming to another brother who is in sin and earnestly urging him to repent. And then in verses 15 through 21, we have a a look at really perhaps even the argument that Paul would have used with Peter in his confrontation. And in Galatians, for our purposes, we understand that that, those verses, verses 15 through 21, really become the thesis or uh, the purpose statement, the central uh, line of argument for Paul as he writes. And so, from the start, you need to know this. We're dealing here with a most important doctrine. This is the doctrine of the justification by faith alone. Justification by faith alone. Now, the key word here is the word alone. There are many who believe in justification by faith They believe that you're made right with God by believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ even. But the problem is when they add to that, when they say, well, we're justified by faith, but also by works of the law or good works. This article though, that word alone is what Martin Luther said was the article on which the church stands or falls. If it's not for the word alone, we have no gospel. If it's not for the word alone, we have no church. But beyond that, it's also the article in which Peter himself stands or falls. As an apostle, as one who's called by the Lord, as one who is saved, justification by faith alone is how he will stand or fall. But then you and I need to understand it's also the article in which you will stand or fall. So the gospel is at stake. And so let's begin with this confrontation. But let us pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, we come this Lord's Day morning seeking to hear from you in your word. We ask, O God, that you would work mightily and move in our midst through your word with power and glory. Speak to us by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. 
But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? This is the word of the Lord. When we approach this text, and as I study this text, I can't help but to think of just a brief illustration uh, from my own life. Uh, My mentor, Jason Hutchinson, who pastors in Cincinnati, he and I went fishing one day, believe it or not. And as we were going fishing, he was going to teach me how to fly fish. Uh, We had some flooded waters in Lawrence County out in the Blaine area, uh, and we were going out there trying to find some places to to fish. Uh, We were on this road, and Jason and I, we both had our our drinks, and he was my mentor. What Jason did, I did. What Jason believed at that time, I believed. And so, I mean, I learned from him. I grew under his his ministry and his his life. And so, uh, we were driving back from a failed fishing attempt, and we were driving on a you know, just a single lane road out in the county somewhere. And I see Jason finish off his Dot Mountain Dew and he takes the bottle, twists the cap back on and he throws it out the window. So I look at him and I'm thinking, you know, why would my mentor do that? Like, this is Jason, this is God I love. Like, I must, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I should do it too. And so I finished my drink, Dot Mountain Dew, twisted the lid back on, threw it out the window. And he stops the truck and he says, why did you do that? And I'm like, well, you did it back there. And he said, no, I threw it in the back of the truck. And so he threw it in the back of the truck. I threw it out the window into the side of the road. And I did that because I thought, that's what I got to do. And so the way he lived, or at least the way I perceived he was living, is how I began to live. And this is what's happening here, that we have to be careful with how we live because how we live demonstrates what we believe. I knew in my heart that littering was bad, and what did I do? I littered, not because I believed it was bad, but because I saw someone else do it, and it impacted me. Now, remember that in a moment, but for now, let us think about this confrontation. What does this confrontation of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter teach us? We could speak from Paul's perspective here. Uh, we could see how this is sort of a guide in confronting our brother who is in sin. But that's not the point of this passage. That's not the main reason Paul is writing to the Galatians in this way. But rather, he is helping them to see why Peter needed to be confronted in the first place and why if they follow the direction of Peter and these other Jewish leaders of the circumcision party, as it were, as it said here in the text, Well, that's the direction they're heading as well. And so this is of utmost importance for them, and it's also of utmost importance for you. In verse 14, you see a key, because notice what he says, but when I saw that their conduct 
was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all, if you though a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? The problem that Peter was facing is that his conduct, his life was not in step with the truth of the gospel. And I would tell you that most of our problems in this life, most of our difficulties that come because of our own sinfulness is because we're not living in step with the truth of the gospel. So truth, the matter of belief, and then conduct, the matter of how you live. So what does it mean to be out of step with the gospel? First, what you believe is out of touch with how you live. What you believe is out of touch with what you or how you live. Notice this in verse 12. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with all the Gentiles. So notice there, all, already, we see actually a positive note that here's Peter the apostle who is Jewish coming to Antioch and eating with the Gentiles. Now that is perhaps as shocking as this confrontation because if you know anything about Jewish custom and Jewish tradition and understanding even the Old Testament and Jewish law, there were certain ceremonial laws, food laws, that you had to follow. Now, these laws were put into place in order for God to teach us that when we approach him in worship, we need to be clean. And so you couldn't eat pork, you couldn't eat shellfish, you couldn't eat certain foods. And so for Peter, he needed to grasp this. And so for him to come in verse 12 and actually eat with the Gentiles show actually a change of belief in Peter's mind and perhaps even in his heart that Peter, who was a Jew, would have followed the Jewish custom, the Jewish laws, the, the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. So now what's changed? He's had to learn this in a couple of ways. One, he learned from Jesus himself. In Mark chapter seven, Jesus explained with his arrival, the time for the ceremonial laws had passed. Those clean laws that were established to teach uh, that you could not go into God's presence without cleansing had passed. For the Lord Jesus himself was there and now is the one who says, come to me. And so Jesus declares to Peter, hey, Peter, that time is over. Well, Peter doesn't get it, does he? He doesn't understand it fully. And so in Acts chapter 11, what we read, the Lord comes to him again in a vision. And in that vision, uh, we see that there is uh, this calling, this, this voice that comes from heaven, and God speaks to Peter and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. What God has made clean, do not call common, that is unclean. Do not call it that way. And so Peter was so hard-headed, though, he had the vision three times. And right after Peter's vision, he meets Cornelius, a repentant Gentile. And upon meeting him, Peter gets it. And he understands God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't... Uh, prop up one over another because of their race, because of their ethnicity, because of their background, because of their social status or economic status. No, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. So Peter has these two events in his life 
that should have said, yeah, come, eat, eat your, eat your barbecue, uh, enjoy it. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Now, by sitting down with the Gentiles, what Peter was acknowledging wasn't just that the food was made clean, but the fact that he could sit with those who once were considered unclean Gentiles shows that they had something in common. Was it a love of pulled pork? No, it was that they were united because they had believed upon the same Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason they could sit together in unity in the church fellowship hall is that they believed in Jesus Christ. What united them was not their ethnicity, no. What united them was not their background. What united them was Jesus Christ, faith in him. And so what you believe should determine how you live. What you believe should determine how you live. It's as if Peter didn't even finish his meal. And even perhaps you can see him almost, if you can see him sitting at a table, perhaps they didn't have in that time those old lunchroom tables that fold up in the middle that with the round and comfortable seats. But you could see Peter there sitting there and he sees these guys come in. He's like, uh-oh, they're in. And he scrapes his food off into the floor, hoping that nobody will see him. That's literally what's happening here. You understand that this is happening and, and you've seen this happen before in the church. You've seen this happen uh, before in your own life. People come in of persuasion and you leave and talk to them or someone else has left you to talk to them or to spend time with them or to, to follow what they would have you to do rather than you. And so because he saw these other Jews, his belief came into question. Did Peter believe in justification by faith alone, that is, faith in Jesus Christ alone, or did Peter believe justification by faith alone plus following the ceremonial laws? When he stood up, he showed that his belief in faith alone was falling by the wayside. And so he had believed in justification by faith alone, but he began to show something else. Now, there's a bit of application here because we have to remember that what you believe is out of touch with how you live. And here's an example. It's a challenging example, uh, but it's from someone else. I want you to be mindful of this, that Peter, people can believe that Jesus is the only way to God. We believe that, don't we? That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. But then you have a neighbor that you've been neighbors with for 40 years, and you've never told them about Jesus. So do you really believe that Jesus is the only way to God? You have a friend that you've been friends with your whole life. They've seen you commit yourself to Christ. They've seen you in church. But have you taken an opportunity to speak to them about their need for Jesus Christ? See, we may say we believe that Jesus is the only way, 
And we may even say that we believe in heaven and hell and that if you do not have Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. But when it comes down to it, how we live our lives before men and women in this world displays what we truly believe. You'll ask people if they love their neighbor and they'll say yes. You'll ask them if they believe in heaven and hell and they say yes. You ask them if they tell their neighbor about Jesus and they'll say no. So you're out of step with the gospel if what you believe is out of touch with how you live. Secondly, consider Peter's actions when the circumcision party comes into the fellowship hall, just as we mentioned. He gets up. He gets up. He joins them. He leaves the Gentiles behind. He leaves his his pork behind for brisket. Now, whether you like brisket or pork, that's not the discussion today. What does it mean to be out of step with the gospel? It means here, secondly, forgetting that how you live reveals what you truly believe. Forgetting how you live reveals what you truly believe. Do not forget that fact, that the way you are living reveals to me what you believe, what you believe. Peter, holding that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, could enjoy his meal, but by standing up, he denied what united them, as we've mentioned, that faith in Jesus Christ, that gospel truth of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for sinners, no matter what color their skin, no matter what their bank account, no matter what their education level. Yet for a moment, Peter begins to show that his belief in justification by faith alone isn't as strong as one would expect. For Peter, he was showing that he really believed that the difference they had was really what justified you. See, here's what's happening. By Peter getting up and going over and being with the Jews and the circumcision party, by saying, you know what, I can't eat with you guys anymore, he is saying to them, your justification is not quite justified. He is saying to them, this is it. Let's be honest right now. He's saying, you're voting for this president is not your justification. You should have voted for this president. Now, I say that because that hits home right now, doesn't it? We are a divided nation. We are divided in many ways. What could unite us? Well, I want to tell you it's not a politician. And it's not the president. What will unite us is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And so they forgot that. And so we have to understand. We have to understand this, don't we? We need to know that we can sometimes forget how we live revealing what we truly believe. So now some of us are discouraged. So now some of us are sad. But not just in this election, but perhaps in our lives we face traumatic events, we face, we face difficult days. In those moments, what we will believe should encourage us in how we live. That those of us who see our loved ones go on to be with the Lord, we don't do it without hope. We do it with hope. We do it with the expectation of the resurrection from the dead. We, we do it because we believe that Christ was raised from the dead and all of those who are united in him are also raised. We believe 
that those who are united to Christ will understand what it means to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So though we grieve, we grieve with hope. So we understand our belief impacts how we live. And it actually shows us what we believe. So the way you live will show people what you actually believe. You say, well, I believe in going to church on Sunday. But then how are you living on Saturday? You say, I believe in giving the Lord his due. But how are you living throughout the week? You say that I believe this about God, that he is kind. But you get angry when someone cuts you off in traffic. You believe that God is gracious, but you get angry when someone speaks ill of you. You believe that God is love, but yet there is no love displayed in your life. What do you actually believe? See, the way you treat others, the way you show forth the light of the gospel in you will reveal what you truly believe. You want me to know what you believe? You want me to find out what you believe? Show me your calendar. Show me your calendar. Show me your plan of events. Show me what's important to you by the time that you spend and the things that you spend it. Do you look at the Lord's day on Sunday as his day? Do you think I need to be in the house of the Lord with his people so that we may worship him together? Do you see the week as an opportunity to glorify God wherever you're at, whether you're at home or whether you're at work or whether you're at school or whether you're at the grocery store? What do you believe? Show me your calendar. Maybe you need to consider your calendar yourself. You'll see your priorities. You'll see your occasions. You'll see who you're meeting with, who you're spending time with. Show me your calendar and I'll show you what you believe. Thirdly, you can be out of step with the gospel by neglecting your influence on others' beliefs. Now, this is another shocking thing that happens in this passage. Because Paul says, in verse 13, the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Do you see that Barnabas, the one they called the son of encouragement, Barnabas was the one who had a field and he sold it and he laid the proceeds of that field at the feet of the apostles and said, hey, do this as you please for the church. Barnabas was that guy who had fully committed, fully trusted in the Lord, but yet because of Peter's unbelief, because of Peter's, his change of heart, his change of belief, Barnabas was led astray. You can be out of the step of the gospel by neglecting your influence on others' beliefs. Peter was influential, and in fact so, Barnabas was led astray. Now, this is something that we all know. We understand what's happening here because it's something we all do. Parents, what did you say or do you say when your kids come to you and say, Mommy, you said a bad word. Or daddy, you, you did this, why did you do that? Then what do you say as a parent? Do as I say, 
not as I do. Now, there's the problem, though. How you live is what you believe. And how you live is what they will believe. If you live by saying that on Sunday, we will go to church unless there's something else for us to do, you are teaching your children that anything and everything else is more important than the Lord. You can say, well, we'll, we'll go to church, and, and I'm, I'm hitting this because my brother understands this, uh, being a coach, uh, sports. Uh, I grew up, and, and you know, we didn't have very many things on Sunday, if, if anything. Uh, but now we understand that that's not necessarily the case, that the Lord is important unless there's a game, or the Lord is important unless there's practice. The Lord is important unless there is this or that. So we understand this, don't we? We understand what it's like because we end up thinking and understanding how you live is what you believe and how you live is what they will believe. In fact, it's been said better than I can say myself. If what you do doesn't come out of what you believe, it will undermine everything you stand for. So the way you live, not only before your children, but before your neighbor, before your friends, and even looking at your own life, if the way you live doesn't come from what you believe, it will undermine everything that you stand for. So if you stand for justification by faith alone, if you stand for grace and you're not gracious, then what is grace to you? And here's what Paul is going to say in this passage. He's gonna say, hey, Peter, the way you're living says that the cross doesn't matter. Peter, Peter, the way, the way that you're living here is saying that believing in the gospel doesn't even matter. Christ shouldn't have even died because if we can be saved by believing in God and then doing some works, then why did Christ have to come? So the way you believe will actually undermine what you stand for if the way you live doesn't come from what you believe. Peter models for us, as Paul points out, hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Many outside the church will say it's full of hypocrites, and we'll cover this in a moment, uh, but here is what it is to be a hypocrite. It's to say you believe one thing and then do another. Application here is this as well. What does Phelps think that Peter Creek Presbyterian Church believes? What do they think we believe? What do our neighbors think we believe? Now, we can speak of individual life, but also the life of the church. You want to see Phelps change. If you want to see these haulers proclaiming Christ and him crucified, then we ought to live out Christ and him crucified. Uh, if, and, and I've told you this before, Sinclair Ferguson, who was a pastor in South Carolina, he told his congregation that if they wanted to make an impact on Columbia, that the way to do it was for them to commit to being there on Sunday evening for worship. Because what does that say about you? Not only am I committed to the Lord's Day morning, but I am committed to the Lord on the evening too. That we ought to be as full in the evening service as we are in the morning service, is what he said. 
Because that shows commitment. That shows you believe this. That, that shows that you're committed to Christ and him crucified. That shows that you love the Lord Jesus. You love his people. You love being with them. What does Phelps believe that we believe? What do they think we believe? That we're a bunch of hooligans? We are, but we also have a great savior. Is that what they know of us? Are we gracious toward others as we're out in the community? Do we speak of Christ when we're out in the community? Do we show love for one another out in the community? Or do we speak, well, the pastor went long again. No one laughed at that. Maybe we speak, well, I didn't like this, or I didn't like that. Or are we speaking of Christ? Just fill your words with Christ. Fill, fill your words with the Lord Jesus. Let the community think that Peter Creek Presbyterian Church, they're, they're a Jesus church. They really care about him. They really care about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they seem to be all about. Oh, that it would be said of us that we love our Savior. One more way you can be out of step with the gospel is this, understanding that how you live begins to change what you believe, or not understanding that actually, that how you live begins to change what you believe. Peter ate with the Gentiles. He stood up, no longer ate with them, and then started believing something else because of the influence of the circumcision party. Peter's problem wasn't an issue of behavior, and Paul wasn't upset with Peter because he was rude. Was he rude? Absolutely. That was very rude. But he wasn't upset that he was rude. There was a deeper issue. Why was he rude? Because Peter had started to believe that the circumcision party was right. He started to believe that it wasn't salvation through Christ alone, but it was salvation through Christ plus something else. I remember my parents teaching me early on to be cautious about who I hang out with and make friends with. What did we call it? Birds of a feather flock together, right? And, and they were right to do so. But my friends weren't the problem when I fell into sin. I was the problem at that point. It was my own heart. My beliefs had been changed. We understand this. We fear for our kids when they go to college because we're afraid of what they might believe because of their professors and being around others. But there's a practical example that we can consider. You may think, well, if I miss one Sunday of church, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. It's one Sunday. But then one Sunday turns into two Sundays. And then two Sundays turn into a month and then even a year. Why? Because you may have once said Sundays are for God. But when your belief moves to saying Sundays are for family, Sundays are for chores, Sundays are for rest, and your belief is changed. You may have once believed that money doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. All I need is Jesus. But then you get a taste of success and fortune. And instead of seeing that it is a gift from Jesus to be used for his kingdom, you start to believe that money does matter and I can take care of the Jesus things later. There are many people my age that are not here in church. 
because they think that they can do that when they're old like their parents. No offense to you parents who are not as old as I made it out to be. But do you see what I'm saying? How many kids do you have or know of that are that way? Well, I can take care of that later. Uh, that's another part of my life. Once my kids are grown, once they're in school, I can take care of that later. But you and I know that later may never come. And so how, how do we understand this? How do we get this? We understand what our, our beliefs were. We understand this issue. So how do we com- combat these missteps that we take in life? How does, how does Peter have to combat it himself? Well, let's pay attention to a couple words. In verse 12, it says that before the certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So the way to combat these missteps is first, fear God and not man. Fear God and not man. Peter was guilty of fearing the circumcision party. He saw him come in. He's like, oh no, these guys, I'm, I'm gonna have to make sure that they're okay with me. I'm gonna have to make sure that they don't, don't hate me. I'm gonna have to make sure that they don't dislike me. I'm gonna have to make sure that they understand I'm following their ways. He doesn't wanna be ridiculed by them. He doesn't wanna be criticized by them. He doesn't wanna be hurt by them. And so he does everything because he is fearing man and not fearing God. Perhaps that's why Paul said in verse 10 of chapter one, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So the way to get back in the right kind of walking is to fear the Lord, to fear him, to trust in him, to hope in him, to revere him. I remember Peter, he looked upon Jesus and had his eyes focused upon Jesus and there were no fears as he was trusting in his master and he took a big step onto the water. And as soon as he looked away and his fear of Christ, his reverence for his master went away, he began to fear the waters beneath him and began to sink. And just as he had taken his eyes off of Christ in that moment, in this instance, he had taken his eyes off of Christ again. And rather than fearing the one who died for him, rather than fearing the one who set him apart, rather than fearing the one who prayed for him that he would be restored, he had looked upon man. Christian, if you want to keep in step with the gospel, keep your fear of God front and center. Make sure that you know what you believe about God. Make sure that your God is a big God, that he is in control, that he is over and bigger than any situation that you face. Fear God, not man. We can't trust the media. We can't trust politicians. We can't trust this person or that person, but you must remember that you can trust God. Then secondly, the way to get back in step with the gospel is this. Be a Christian. Be a Christian. Don't simply act like one. The word hypocrite is 
The same word is where we get this and understanding of this, but it's the Greek word for actor. In other words, when you think of hypocrisy, you're thinking of someone who is acting. And in fact, in ancient times, actors would put masks on over their face. And as they performed, they had these masks on. And so Paul is going to Peter and ripping his mask off. Paul is going to Peter and saying, hey, take your mask off. Now, don't take your mask off, okay? But take your mask off. Take that which is hiding who you are. Because here's what Peter thought. He thought that he needed to put a mask on. And the way to actually get back in step with the gospel is to understand it's not about putting a mask on. It's actually removing the mask, warts and all, letting people see who we truly are. And actually, who we truly are is a beautiful thing. Not because we're the most handsome or the most beautiful, not because we are the smartest and brightest, not, not because we have the best education, not because we're the wealthiest, not because of any of those things. But what Paul's getting at is who we are in Christ, who we are in him. Peter had forgotten his savior. He'd forgotten that Jesus Christ died in his place. He had forgotten that as Peter was stood standing condemned in front of Peter or in front of Paul, that there was one who stood condemned for him, the Lord Jesus Christ. So be a Christian. Be who you are in Christ. There's no reason to, be, to pretend to be someone that you're not. You don't need to act like you've got it all together. You, you don't need to even put on a show to make people think you're okay. Because isn't this what we do? Oh, we were wearing masks way before COVID. We were wearing masks for a long time before this. We don't want people to see our struggles. But do you know, Christian, that that is why the Lord has given you your brothers and sisters? That though you struggle, you're not one who is hopeless. That out of the Reformation, out of our beliefs, out of our understanding of the gospel, we understand that, yes, we are a sinner and a saint. That we are those who are sinners in need of a savior. And there is a savior, Jesus Christ, who's died for us, died in our place, rose from the dead, is victorious over sin, death, and the devil. And we have great hope in him. And he is what it's about. Though I've sinned, though I've failed, though I've fallen short of his glory, he is the one who died for me. And my hope is in him. Now, one thing you don't get in the rest of the New Testament, we already mentioned this with Paul, right? We mentioned that Paul never goes back to his old life of Judaism and says, you know what? I regret all that happened. I wish I could change it all. Paul never says that. And that tells us something, that you and I, with our regrets, with our past and our struggles and our sins, we need to understand that that is past. But the Lord has saved us. We, we, we dealt with that. But now Peter is faced with the same thing. Peter, nowhere in the New Testament, says, you know what? Paul didn't really understand what I was doing there. He didn't make any excuses for his sin. But he repented. He never brought it back up. And in fact, later on in Acts 15, at the Jerusalem Council, Peter would stand up and speak on behalf of his brother Paul. So there are times in our lives where we're caught in sin. There are times in our lives when we have let our beliefs 
change because of how we live and our lives have shown that we believe something different where we need to repent. We need to take our mask off and not allow ourselves to think, well, you know, I did that just because of this. That's not really what I meant. No, own it, repent, and trust in the one who saved you. Be a Christian. Don't simply act like one. I think one of the struggles we have in our society is we often tell our children, we tell people, we tell our kids and youth, you know, like it's funny to me at times because we have our kids who come who are not Christian. A lot of our kids are not Christian. They've not put their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna tell them to act like a Christian because if they're not a Christian, they're not a Christian. Our desire for them is not that they would act like a Christian. Our desire for them is that they would be a Christian. So how do we get back in step with the gospel? We fear God, not man. We be a Christian and we don't act like one. This is such an important thing for us to grasp, church. It is the gospel. How you live shows me what you believe. And so, friend, look at your life and ask yourself, what do I believe? Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we come to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are thankful, yes, for this word. For we have all been Peter. We have all said that we believe one thing and yet we have lived in a different way. We've all said that we, we would hold firm and yet we didn't. But there's grace for us, just as there was grace for Peter. And there's restoration for us, just as there is restoration for Peter. And our great hope today as Christians, Father, is that we can fear you and be who you called us as those who've been bought by the precious blood of our dear Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' holy name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.